0: Hello and thank you for tuning in to Herbert Smith Free Hills Asia Competition or Podcast Series Unbundling Competition. My name is Adelaide Luke and I'm the head of competition here in Asia for Herbert Smith Free Hills. In this instalment we will be discussing the European Commission's recent white paper on levelling the playing field as regards foreign subsidies which considers whether and how the Commission should deal with potentially distortive effects on competition within the EU as a result of subsidies provided by foreign governments. The European Commission's recently completed the public consultation process in relation to this white paper, and it's now considering its legislative options for implementing the various measures set out in the white paper. These could have profound effects for companies here in Asia that do business in the EU. With me today is Kyriakos Fantakakos, managing partner of our Brussels office and specialist in EU competition law. Hi, Kyriakos, and thank you very much for joining us today. Hi, everyone. The um, white paper has caused quite a stir amongst a lot of non-EU companies that operate in the EU, and understandably so. The scope of foreign subsidies that can potentially come under the scrutiny of the proposed measures has a very wide scope and includes any financial contribution by a non-EU government or any public body that's been specifically targeted and that brings about a benefit to the recipient. A financial contribution can be a direct transfer of funds such as through capital injections, loans or grants, and fiscal incentives or a transfer of liabilities, such as through loan guarantees or debt forgiveness. It can also be more indirect, such as through preferential tax treatment or tax credits, and it could even be the provision or purchase of goods or services. So for Asian businesses, the impact of the measures proposed in the White Paper could be very substantial since the presence of state-owned businesses and financial institutions, as well as state-led industrial policies, is very prevalent in many Asian economies. To start, Kyriakos, I wonder whether you can walk us through the background and the context of this white paper.
1: Certainly, Adelaide, and um, thank you again for inviting me to, to do this podcast with you for our listeners in Asia you are totally right to say that this has caused quite a stir. If it is adopted and it becomes legislation, it will be a major legislative instrument that will give the European Commission a new tool to regulate the conduct of companies. And it will be very, very relevant to Asian companies, as you said. So, in terms of background and context, this is not entirely new or unexpected. It comes in the context of several moves recently by the European Commission uh, to more closely scrutinize foreign investment into the EU, most notably the new EU framework for review of foreign direct investment. And I would remind our listeners here that the new EU FDI screening regulation came into force on 11th of October 2020 and is now fully applicable. The White Paper is aimed at providing an additional layer of scrutiny towards foreign companies investing and operating in the EU internal market by considering a number of potential measures that would allow the EU and member states to investigate or require companies to notify or declare any subsidies received from foreign governments or any related authorities the commission argues here that there's a regulatory gap so to speak that is not currently addressed by the tools in the competition law or trade law toolbox uh, for dealing with subsidies of this kind most obviously the eu state aid rules which regulate subsidies from eu member state governments do not apply to subsidies granted by governments or authorities outside the eu The other regulatory tools that the European Commission has such as merger control or or foreign direct investment review that I just mentioned also do not quite hit the spot, so to speak. Although in trade law, uh, the Commission has rules on anti-dumping, for example, these only apply to products that are manufactured overseas and sold into the EU and not to companies doing business directly in the EU or acquiring EU companies or assets. So the Commission argues, as I said, that there is a gap here.
0: Right. And I think it's important here to highlight the fact that subsidies from EU member states are already governed by the state aid rules. So as you say, from the Commission's perspective, the measures considered by the White Paper are more aimed at levelling that playing field, as the title of the white paper suggests, rather than specifically targeting foreign companies or foreign government authorities.
1: Yes, exactly, Adelaide. and The Commission has taken efforts here to emphasise in the white paper and in its press releases that the EU remains open to global trade and investment, citing many key statistics to show the importance of foreign trade to the European economy. When the paper was unveiled back in June, the then Commissioner for Trade said, and I quote here, the EU is amongst the most open economies in the world, attracting high levels of investment from our trading partners. However, our openness is increasingly being challenged through foreign trade practices, including subsidies that distort the level playing field for companies in the EU. Along with other tools available at EU level, such as foreign direct investment screening and trade defense measures, the White Paper is a welcome addition to the toolbox for our open strategic autonomy. And I end the quote here. So, so yes, as you say, it is more about leveling the playing field and making sure that actually the EU's own inward looking state aid rules are not disadvantaging European businesses when compared to other competitors coming from outside the EU that could benefit from such subsidies.
0: Thank you. And perhaps for the benefit of, of people listening and those who may not be familiar with the EU state aid regime, um, could you briefly walk us through what that is?
1: Yes, of course. I mean, we could spend hours discussing the the full regime, but I'll try to summarize it briefly uh, for our listeners here because it's important in the context of the white paper. So the EU's state aid regime prohibits the granting of state aid by an EU member state or through state resources, which distorts or threatens to distort competition and is capable of affecting trade between the EU member states. It is an important pillar of the EU competition law system and is enshrined in Article 107 of the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union. What it basically says at its simplest application is that, for example, the French government uh, or any other government cannot support French companies in such a way that it gives them uh, unfair advantages over their competitors from other member states. But it is actually much wider than this. Listeners might be aware of the recent Apple tax state aid case in which the European Commission found that allegedly beneficial and preferential tax treatment provided by the Irish government to Apple, which of course is not an Irish company, uh, was a form of unlawful state aid. I should say here that this decision was annulled by the General Court and is now still pending on further appeal to the highest court in the EU, the Court of Justice of the European Union. The Commission plays the important role of gatekeeping any proposed state aid scheme, monitoring and vetting subsidies to determine whether they distort the market. And there is a scheme whereby member state governments notify uh, proposed schemes to the European Commission for review. So what happens is that upon assessment of any notified scheme, the Commission will have to assess whether there is in fact state aid involved to begin with, and if so, whether it has any concerns that the state aid may distort competition within the internal market. If so, the Commission may then launch into a further in-depth investigation, and at the end of this investigation, it may clear or prohibit the scheme. They may also impose conditions on clearance, for example, requiring the relevant parties to regularly report to the Commission in relation to the proposed scheme. So overall, it's quite a rigorous regime uh, that operates within the EU. However, as you note, it only applies to subsidies that are provided by EU member state governments and not governments from outside of the EU. At this point, I think it's also worth noting that as a result of Brexit, and subject to any specific provisions in a deal between the UK and the EU, the UK government uh, will, of course, be considered a foreign government for the purposes of the White Paper. So, Asian companies with a regional headquarters in the United Kingdom that receive some sort of support from the UK government could also be caught. Mm.
0: Thanks very much, Kyriakos. So, let's turn now to the measures considered by the white paper. Uh, as I understand it, there are three main parts or modules to the white paper. First, module one proposes a general tool for, for ex post scrutiny of foreign subsidies that may already be having an impact on the EU internal market. Then module two proposes a new ex anti notification regime separate from the existing merger control regulation, which would require the notification of foreign subsidies linked to the acquisition of EU targets. And then module three proposes another notification regime applicable to companies that have benefited from foreign subsidies and which are engaging in public procurement procedures in the EU. A parallel regime for companies applying for EU funding is also subject to consideration. So let's take a a closer look at each of these modules. Kiriakos, can you say any more about module one?
1: Sure. So, module one proposes a general tool that would basically allow the European Commission or an authority of an EU member state to assess foreign subsidies that may have an impact on the EU internal market. This will be a two-step process. Firstly, identifying the existence of a foreign subsidy and whether there is any actual or potential distorted effect uh, in the internal market. This will require a case-by-case analysis, of course, but the key categories of subsidies that are identified in the white paper include the following. Export financing, grants to failing or ailing firms, such as debt forgiveness, unlimited state guarantees, tax reliefs, or to directly facilitate a takeover. This is quite a wide range of support and I think it could capture some common practices that we see in Asia. For example, support provided by an export credit agency or co-investment by state-owned funds. It's not yet clear which uh, EU agency would be responsible for carrying out this kind of review, but whatever authority does it, the relevant authority should also consider whether there is any potentially positive impact that might outweigh the distorted effect uh, having regard to the public policy objectives pursued by the EU. And this is by applying the so-called EU interest test. Some of the relevant factors that would be considered here uh, include the creation of jobs, climate change and environmental protection, uh, digital innovation and transformation, as well as security. In this way, the proposed review process would be quite different, I think, from existing competition law review that we are more familiar with, which only considers whether a particular conduct or proposed transaction could harm competition. In the second step, if a potentially distorted foreign subsidy is identified, the authority would conduct a more comprehensive in-depth investigation. If this investigation confirms the existence of the foreign subsidy and that this foreign subsidy distorts the internal market, the relevant authority would then have the power to impose remedies to mitigate that distortion. The proposed remedies could include making redressive payments to the EU and the member states, as well as structural and behavioral remedies such as divestment of assets and prohibition of investment uh, or other contacts. As you can see, a lot of this regime in module one echoes the existing regime on state aid that we discussed earlier.
0: And modules two and three do seem to be quite different from module one because they both introduce a notification regime. As I mentioned earlier, Module 2 proposes a new notification requirement for acquisitions of EU businesses by companies that might be in receipt of a foreign subsidy. The proposed regime would require any party in receipt of public funds from non-EU authorities to file a notification to the European Commission, similar to the existing merger control regulation that we're familiar with. But there will be some key differences to the merger control regime, particularly in relation to the applicable thresholds. Most significantly, based on the preliminary proposals outlined in the White Paper, we expect that notification may be required not only for acquisitions of control, but also for acquisitions exceeding a specified percentage of shares or voting rights. This means that a non-controlling stake in the competition law sense, non-controlling, could also give rise to a notification requirement in the future. The concept of an EU target could also depart from the merger control approach of looking only at the parties with substantial existing operations within the EU, but also to targets that are expected or that are likely to generate significant EU turnover in the future. Moreover, the value-based threshold for filing would be a subsidy as low as Euro 200,000 or 200,000 euros, substantially lower than the turnover thresholds of 250 million euros under the EU merger control rules. And the regime may require notification by companies that have received a subsidy within the past three years, as well as any company that could be expecting a subsidy within the next year. And what this all means is that companies need to be aware that they could find themselves needing to make a foreign subsidy notification, even when no EU merger filing has been triggered. Companies might need to take this into account when setting conditions precedent and and in deal planning. Once the filing thresholds are met, we expect the filing requirement will be mandatory and suspensory, uh, which means that the parties will need to file a notification and must then wait for clearance. Until clearance is received, before proceeding to completion.
1: Thanks, Adelaide. It, module two is quite important, as you said, because it it really affects directly acquisitions of companies and assets in the EU. I'll say a few words about module three uh, here, and that module proposes a new notification requirement as well uh, for companies in receipt of a foreign subsidy that are either participating in a public procurement process or applying for EU funding. The thresholds for this are again uh, under consideration, but similar to Module 2, we expect that parties will need to notify uh, if they have received a subsidy within the past three years or expect to receive a subsidy within the, the following year.
0: Thank you, Kyriakos. So as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, the white paper has generated a lot of interest and it could have a particularly significant impact on Asian businesses. In fact, a spokesperson of the Chinese mission to the EU made statements urging the EU from taking these measures which they describe as protectionist. Kiriakos, I wonder what your thoughts are on how this might impact Asian businesses.
1: Yes, well, frankly, Adelaide, I think it could have a huge impact on, on many Asian businesses. Uh, the Commission was very careful in the white paper, not specifically refer to subsidies provided by the Chinese government to Chinese companies. And indeed, it is clear that the impact of the measures outlined in the white paper will be felt well beyond China. It's not, not about China. It's any foreign company. Uh, that benefit from subsidies abroad will potentially be caught. Having worked with many Asian clients over the years uh, with you also, Adelaide, I think it's fair to say that this will, however, be particularly relevant for Asian companies. We have seen that many businesses do, in fact, uh, have frequent dealings with state-owned uh, enterprises or financial institutions or some other sort of broad uh, public support and many Asian companies that have a state-backed shareholder or lender or or even a major customer or supplier. And given the broad scope of the measures proposed, uh, all these could feasibly be captured as foreign subsidies.
0: Mm, And from an M&A perspective, I think the potentially wider scope of Module 2 in relation to non-controlling stakes could mean that the new notification procedure captures a great deal more transactions than the merger regime currently does. Um, Another potential concern is that the information that might be required in these notifications could be much more sensitive in nature um, than is currently required under the merger control regime. Um, And in those filings, the merger control filings, we're usually dealing with a degree of basic corporate information and, and market shares of the parties. to to a large degree, some of this is is often available in the public domain. But for foreign subsidies, um, companies may have to disclose information relating to its funding, which is often much more sensitive or secretive.
1: Yes, Adelaide, I I completely agree with what you said, in particular for Module 2. I think the new measures could have a substantial impact on parties looking to do deals, and then with the rest of the package, affects parties that just want to do business in the EU. It it is important to note here, however, that these are still proposals at this stage. We we should not overstate the impact before these measures are finalized. However, um, according to the Commission's post-consultation report, most of the responses received from European-based responders, uh, including those received from the EU member states themselves, Uh, are in favor of introducing some or all of the proposed measures. So there is support for introducing this type of legislation. There are, however, some nuances. For example, some of the member states suggest that the, the minimis threshold we discussed earlier should be higher, and some member states think that only subsidized acquisitions should be notifiable. These reservations reflect the fact that there are still concerns, I think, as to whether these measures might affect the amount of foreign direct investment into the EU or will cause uh, more delays when overlaid with the existing venture control uh, and foreign direct investment regimes. The Commission also reports that respondents who are non-EU-based were, well-expectedly I would say, Uh, not in favor of new regulations. So we will need to see how all this uh, pans out in the legislative process.
0: Yes, thank you, Kiriakos. I I completely agree. Well, look, that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Kyriakos, very much for joining us Uh, and to our listeners. Thank you for being here and and joining us and listening to, to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this, in, this episode on the EU's white paper. Uh, if you have any comments or queries on anything we discussed today, uh, please do feel free to contact us. There should be contact details on the podcast page where you ac- access the recording. So until next time, thank you again.